pa' enamorarte Tengo el truco, qué lindo te queda en Nazahugo Y yo pa' enamorarte Tengo el truquito, qué rico tú eres Ahí por clorito También pa' enamorarte Tengo el truco, qué lindo te queda en Nazahugo Y yo pa' enamorarte Tengo el truquito, qué rico tú eres Ahí por clorito Estoy loco que se ha acabado el aislamiento Bájate bien duro como cemento, loco que se acaba en la cuarentena, cogerla en grande contigo, nena. Loco que se acaba el aislamiento, bájate bien duro. Como cemento, loco que se acaba en la cuarentena, cogerla en grande contigo, nena. Mami, pa' enamorarte, tengo el truco, qué lindo te queda en la saúgo. Y yo pa' enamorarte, tengo el truquito, qué rico tú eres, ahí por clorito. Mami, pa' enamorarte, tengo el truco. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, now, now I can uh, uh, welcome uh, you all to a board scientist under the shower. Was uh, uh, I didn't? I forgot to turn on the volume. Uh, sorry about that. So we start with um, a Cuban song which might uh, remind you of some uh, uh, special exotic atmosphere, although right now a little bit less touristy because, um, of course, of uh, this, this huge uh, 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 pandemic uh, due to this uh, enemy we all have around the world. And uh, we're actually going to uh, talk, hopefully, was a nice introduction uh, for our uh, today's tonight guest. Uh, is, so already has already been a guest in uh, one previous uh, show. Welcome to uh, Agustin Lage Castellanos. Hi, Agustin, Hello, directly uh, from Cuba, from Havana, Cuba. Hi, Agustin. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. How are you doing? I mean, pretty good. I mean, in the limit of the moment uh, we are uh, living in. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay, but can you uh, probably, if you can manage to increase a little bit the volume of the microphone? I mean, I listen to you, but probably if, uh, do you listen me well? I listen you well, yes. I listen okay. to you well. I'm trying to increase my volume. It's almost at the maximum. No, but it's fine. It probably, no, 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 I just increase. Uh, well, probably was my fault. Just to have to increase the volume. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I already asked you. Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, let's, uh, the people, people already should know you because, once again, you've been guest already. But uh, can you briefly introduce yourself? Uh, uh, you are a colleague, a neuroscientist, but you are a mathematician. You're a bit everything. So that's why. I always like to have you as a guest. You are overestimating my capabilities. No, I'm not. You are underestimating, you are underestimating your capabilities. Well, I'm, yeah, I, part of the year I work in Maastricht, in, at Maastricht University. Uh, there is where I met Francesco first time. And long time ago, hours. actually. Yeah, no, very long time ago. And yeah, I think like, maybe like, Eight years ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably more even. And, and many others Italians. That yes. Are, Unfortunately. Are part of the neuroscience community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all. Yeah. My life in Matrix is surrounded by Italian uh, yeah. researchers. You actually, speak, cool you, actually, 
You actually speak Italian yeah. very well. It's kind of, uh, yeah, it's an invention, isn't it? It's really Italian. <laughs> Enough for, for you to understand me. And yeah. of course, also enjoying the nice dinners they prepare all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but I keep a strong link with my country and keep yeah. working here part of the year and also trying to contribute to scientific research here. And now I'm here to help the, the family and also the country in this uh, challenge that we are facing. Yeah, because actually when, uh, when I was uh, thinking about this uh, show, um, I was thinking, I mean, who, who, can, I, who can I invite that is... Uh, um, that we European actually uh, who lives in a country we European just do not know what is uh, going on because actually we know very well what is going on in Europe we know perfectly well unfortunately what is going on in US but we know we don't know anything any uh, what the situation is anywhere else and actually Cuba is a very peculiar always been a very peculiar beautiful island but also very peculiar in uh, in the, in the procedure you guys uh, use uh, and the approach you use in, in a lot of fields uh, of, of, uh, of science, uh, economy. Uh, so I was curious, really, being you there, yeah, I was curious. I, I can comment superficially what, what is happening here. We are trying to face the problem with uh, very limited resources in terms of uh, money and most of the things we need to uh, we, we need is are, are expensive then we are trying to our approach is basic like social uh, for the disease and we have like several levels of uh, attacks that we are taking to to the problem uh, the first level we have like uh, we, we are visiting every house like, one time per day by students and social workers just for searching people who can show some symptoms of the disease. So let me understand. So you'll be, you guys, every family, every apartment house is visited every single day. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. Uh, I cannot tell you it's 100% the case, but maybe it's 90% of the people are getting visited every day. And in particular, the most, the people with higher risk, they, they get more attention. And in this way, we can like distribute better the test we have because we are concentrating the test on those people showing uh, some symptoms or people being at higher risk. And then up to now, it seems that it's working pretty well because uh, the, the, the number of cases is growing linearly. We, we didn't go to the exponential uh, stage of the epidemic and then... So never, never. No, never, never, never up to now. No, no. up to now, all, all the the increase was a linear increase, and but it's pretty unique, uh, Agustin, isn't it? Mm, I think that for the countries that react fast, they they also manage. I think that I have been checking data of all countries, uh, and there are some countries in Asia that that managed to to keep the, the situation in control or to mitigate the peak very fast as New Zealand, for example. I was checking New Zealand and they, they had a peak, but they, they went very fast to 
and a small number of, K of cases. Okay. And uh, uh, so you are managing to containing uh, the contagion. So how many, more or less, how many contagion uh, you have? We, we, we are having per day between 20 and 50 new cases. Oh, it's almost known. Uh, very well, the population in the country is 11 million. Then, country, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big country in terms of, of number of people, and the cities are very crowded. It is, uh, yeah, the population density here in Havana is big. And up to now, the situation looks under control, but in, in the other side, we have to do to impose strict measures that, and we are paying an, a big economical. Uh, cost on this because as many people know we depend of tourists coming and now we don't have more tourists coming and also Cubans that are living abroad cannot travel now to the country because there, there are not many flights coming and then uh, the, the economical crisis is getting worse but in our hand the, the government is trying to manage to distribute the resources we have to the people that that are in, in big need of them. So uh, yeah, so it's, so yeah, you're managing to contain the contagion, but uh, yeah, the the at the price of uh, a big economical crisis. Yeah, yeah, we we have some economical trolls before. Some of them are related with the embargo. And some yeah, of yeah. them are also related with the inefficiency of our system. We cannot, embargo is not the only reason. But, but the embargo, um, in, even in such a uh, critical situation, uh, w is not being more lenient? No, no, no. I think the people in the US, they don't care about that. And in this moment, they care less. And yeah, everything keeps running the same. I think that maybe it's getting worse because the companies are being more careful to don't violate anything related with uh, that that can become harm, harmful for them in the future then uh, if, if they need to sell something to Cuba they they will check twice now if this is going to affect the relation with the United States in the future wow what about the the because i also know that a lot of relatives are abroad, so they are not allowed to, to come to Cuba. What is, what is also the situation? Well, because, I mean, the Cuban population is also uh, very uh, numerous outside Cuba as well. Yeah, we had a huge number of people immigrating to living abroad. Particularly, we have a huge community in Florida and, and also in, in Spain. And in, Traditionally, these people contribute to the economy of the country, supported their families. But also in these two countries, in U.S. and Spain, they are facing a big crisis in terms of the disease. Then these, these resources we were getting to the Cuban economy, uh, I think that they, they are not coming anymore. Then so there's not even if this... we If we manage to control the, the disease, we probably we will face a very difficult economical situation in, in the next year. We already see some shortage of resources and we have been making waiting lines and 
for for buying food and everything is well organized but uh, getting some basic clothes are is becoming not very easy so yeah uh... but, but the situation is stable in terms of there is no it's a stability in this situation everything is under control the thing that amazes me there is no panic in in people up to now okay yeah and still the thing that so it's uh, it's very interesting the fact that uh, the situation is like you describe it uh, not that easy to uh, to work with but you still uh, send medical Uh, doctors uh, everywhere. I mean, at least I know that there was this uh, big, uh, uh, this big news few few weeks ago about med- Cuba medical doctor in Italy, which is something actually yeah, they, which point out the generosity of uh, your your people. This is an old tradition in in, in Cuban politics. Uh, it's coming from, I think it's old. It's from maybe it's coming from the 70s. Uh, and in after um, yeah, in the last 20 years really increased the number of uh, doctors that we were sending abroad um, at the beginning in Latin America and Africa we we sent um, a good team of doctors to fight in the Ebola in Africa a few ah, years yes, ago. In, uh, interesting in collaboration with with US because the at this time Obama was in the government and this was one of the initial points where Cuba and, and U.S. start to communicate about how to, to solve the problem of the Ebola in Africa. And then U.S. was um, giving some resources and we were sending people. Then we have some experience with this situation of crises and disasters and earthquakes, hurricanes, uh, which are very frequent here. And then our doctors are, are trained in working with very little amount of resources. They, they don't work with in very sophisticated hospitals. They work with the most basic facilities. And in these conditions, they manage to, to do some quite good job. Yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, I know that I, you have a... I think that many governments ask for help and the Cuban government send teams to many different countries. In Europe, I know that there are people in Italy, in, in the north, In two places, in Crema and in Piamonte, I know that there are people in Spain, in the Basque country, I think there are people in Andorra, and there is another team in Germany. Oh, wow. I, I actually didn't know, I, yeah, of course, I knew only about the, uh, the one that, to, that came to Italy, but I didn't know that uh, there were, I mean, in several uh, European countries. That's, uh, I mean, I also know because I've been a few times in, in Cuba and every time uh, there, was, there were people from Europe going to Cuba for some cure about cancer. So you have a long tradition of generosity in terms of uh, uh, medical help, but also in terms of medical expertise in general. Yes, it, this is true, but it's also true that the, the concept that... Um, That they use for treating these kind of problems are kind of different to the country to the concept the, the approach they use in more developed countries then they we have you, like use, so, you use the brain more <laughs> very social concept of medicine like 
primary attention in, in the neighborhoods is here is very important. They, they keep watching at people from the very beginning and this, this works. For childhood care, uh, child mortality, all this is very important that you have your the network of, of attention goes very deep in society. So, so everyone is, uh, is taking care, let's say, literally. Yeah, in our hands, we, we really need ventilators and uh, sophisticated machines that we, we don't have here. And we, it's not easy that to buy and it's not easy to find them and to find how to arrive to the country then. Is yeah, we also have big limitations now, and yeah, and it's also true that sometimes uh, medical doctors also emigrate to more developed countries. Then yeah. there are many aspects of this problem. Uh, it's complicated. Uh, before you said something uh, that attracted uh, uh, my attention. Um, so you said that uh, I'm here, yeah, because I spent some time of the year in Cuba, but. Uh, so once I came, I'm helping out. So, so I, I wanted to ask you something more general. So are Cuban doctors or Cuban mathematicians or physicians, uh, phys physics, phys physics uh, doctor, physicist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> helping uh, in, uh, in, uh, uh, with, with the COVID uh, yeah, that's a very interesting questions. I think that the government put everybody that can contribute to the problem is working on the problem now from their own perspective. We have like, of course, the medical doctors are working from the hospitals, but we have like researchers, have a, a big network of research institutes and biotechnology industries working on how to use the products we have, how to combine these products on for the treatment of the, of the disease. And also we have teams making research in trying to produce new pros, but this will be more long-term. But this is in, in, one, in one hand. In other hand, we have the people in the university that they are approaching more from the computer science perspective of the problem, like trying to make predictions about the, how the disease is going to behave in the country and also how to measure the impact of the of the restrictions that we are taking in terms of movement and controlling uh, how the people connect with other people, our social distancing. We have the physicists working in that, the mathematicians working in that. And we have regular meetings every week. Uh, with, also, there are people that were not connected with these institutions that want, wanted to join, and they are participating. Like people who were graduated from mathematics and physics, and physics they are uh, also trying to help. And I think it's a, it's a very good exercise for integration and the, and the people feel think that they are, they are useful uh, working in this way. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Do you think, so uh, are there already some, some uh, concrete results of this uh, extensive collaboration in the country? So there is some, some hope that we rich European can... Uh, can reach. I mean, now unfortunately, the people cannot look at me, but I'm doing this this uh, sign to to say that it's not. Well, really I nice think that part of the success is due to organization. Then we we are implementing here some measures that I don't know if all countries will will be able to implement. 
because it requires like a very dense social tissue and that, that the people, everybody gets connected with uh, what, what should be done and the people follow the instruction and you have people controlling everywhere. And this is part of the success, but you were asking more in terms of treatment, no? Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I know that they are trying free, free Cuban medicines uh, that, that were invented here and for the treatment of the, the, of the critical care. One is related with inflammation, inflammation, because part of the hypothesis is that there is a collapse of the, that the collapse of the lungs is coming from an inflammatory response. It's not exactly because of the virus, it's, it's a very strong inflammatory response because of the immune system. So it's, tre it's, treating, uh, it's treating the, the symptom, let's say, of the, of the it's, virus. It's treating, yeah, that, yeah, the idea is that maybe the people is dying because the, the inflammation is so intense that you cannot use your lungs anymore, you are not functional. So at the valley of the problem. Some, yeah, you had some immuno, you, you immunodepress the, the, the patient a little bit and you get some improved because the reaction to the disease is a bit less strong and then maybe you get more time. But, but in this, with this idea, it's, it's very important the timing when you start using this because you maybe at the beginning of the disease, maybe you need the patient to be in, uh, to be very immune competent. No, you don't want to immunodepress the patient. This is one approach. It is, and there are two other approaches that are to boost the, the antiviral response. Is, there are two Cuban probes that were designed for, for that, and we are trying to combine them. The doctors in the intensive care seem very positive about the results, but still, as you say, the sample we have is very small because the number of patients is not that big. And it's not like a control study. You, we don't have control cases and, and cases where the, that are taking the disease, we, where they're taking the medicine. We are distributing the medicine to everybody. Okay. And for this, we'll be required more like a control study, like a clinical trial. We are not doing a clinical trial. So for control, for the people that don't know what a control is, are people that... Uh, uh, are not affected uh, by this case by the virus and uh, a, a sample population that is needed to see whether there is a significant uh, effect of uh, in this case of uh, those antivirals. Um, we are very positive in general. Okay. But Finally, a, a good, a good, a positive somehow uh, look into the future. So, last question, uh, um, Agustin, you were super helpful, and uh, I thank you very much. Uh, I first thank you very much to be a guest of uh, tonight's. Uh, My pleasure, man. You know, uh, what about the future, indeed? So, how do you see it? Uh, where do you say, but this is just, uh, I mean, what is your feeling? I don't want anything scientific or yeah, anything. Uh... The future is very uncertain. I think it will be a huge challenge for everybody, but also for, for us, because uh, we, we, don't have, we don't have resources here to, to keep running the economy in isolation. We need to, to open the country to the world again. And this is going to be very difficult in the actual situation, because 
for example, energy, we, we depend on buying, buying, we need to buy energy to our country. Then for this, we need to export some products. And our main income was tourism is not coming anymore. Uh, we were exporting some medical service before, but I don't think that um, this was enough for keeping the, the country running. Then we need to stimulate uh, local agriculture again. That um, this was always part of the speech, but never really worked uh, very well. Um, What do you mean exactly the local? So is is it not one of the main uh, uh, product or one of the main uh, um, field uh, sustaining the Cuban uh, economy, agriculture, or has been lately a bit? Mm. Uh, Uh, no, no, no. Ne never. We tried to make it work, but up to now, you know, the, we have to import a lot of food, like rice. And even even being, import rice. Yeah, yeah. We, we import a lot of rice from Asia and Brazil. Yes. And now we need to find a way to produce ourselves. Agustin, uh, I thank you once again. Uh, so, I, so what I can say in terms of a positive, uh, uh, of a positive side into the future is that uh, as soon as this thing is finishing, the first uh, country I'm going to visit is Cuba, just to help your guys out uh, who are very generous with us, who are very competent, and uh, I'm sure that you're going to find a solution, a medical solution for that. So I hope to... I, I meet you before in, in the Netherlands for eating a good pasta. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you will be definitely, I guess, yeah, in my yeah. new place, actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, now, uh, thank, thank you, bye. Uh, ci vediamo presto. Uh, ci vediamo, ciao bello. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Uh, so now I'm going to um, invite uh, uh, another uh, colleague of mine. Uh, it's called uh, Rajat. He's also been, uh, um, has already uh, been uh, my guest uh, a couple of times in my radio show. Um, but before that, I'm going uh, to... I'm gonna uh, enjoy, and hopefully uh, you're gonna enjoy with me, this uh, song from uh, Galeffi, which is uh, also, uh, once again, is an Italian artist, and once again is a, a, um, a wants to be a, um, a, a wish of a good luck uh, for the future, because it's called Sette Belle. Sette Bello is a, uh, in the in Italian uh, cards, Is a, uh, is a very good card, the card that uh, brings uh, a lot of luck. So uh, please uh, enjoy uh, Sette Bello from uh, Galeffi. verba nella testa ma quasi mai la soluzione e non so darmi una risposta solo puntini di sospensione sono bravissimo ad aver paura sono bravissimo con la sfortuna e quando scende la notte mi manca l'ossigeno 
Rajat, thank you to be with us. Uh, you can, uh, yeah, this will be uh, an audio, of course, it will be uh, in the radio, but uh, I mean, we can look at each other. Uh, so, Agustin, who was my previous guest, is still uh, here because he wants to uh, listen uh, to you. Yes, sir. So, if you're fine, and I mean, <laughs> Agustin, if you want to intervene, uh, Rajat uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, is those, those people that knows everything, a bit like you. <laughs> so you have a lot in common. So probably I can even leave you guys uh, <laughs> uh, talking. Probably will be much more interesting. Hi, Rajat. Uh, um, so Rajat uh, has been uh, twice uh, uh, guest of uh, the Bold Scientist Under the Shower. Is uh, an astrophysicist, but also a neuroscientist. Uh, now is. Um, is uh, becoming an uh, entrepreneur. Is going to be very rich, uh, and I mean, yeah, I, 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 right. I, 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 I won't uh, uh, be ending uh, my descript- description of uh, Rajat. If you want, if you want to briefly say something about you, um, yeah. So I'm currently officially an assistant professor at the Amsterdam. Um, University Medical Center, and uh, 
that's most of my time goes on that. And for the rest of the time, I work for a startup and uh, also launched my own startup for which I'll be dedicating most of my time in the coming future. Exactly. Uh, That's the one, the money are coming. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (laughs) All all my work is uh, in and around the use of artificial intelligence for different domains, disciplines, problems. Yeah, we discussed indeed... We discussed indeed about artificial intelligence uh, last time yeah. that uh, I had you uh, as guest. Uh, Rajat, uh, what about this? Uh, what, what is your perspective? We had uh, a Cuban perspective with our uh, previous uh, guest, and uh, it told us a lot of uh, interesting uh, things. And actually, there is one thing, uh, one of the aspects that uh, he pointed out is related to uh, collaboration that uh, I probably uh, I'm going to also ask you and uh, about your experience. Uh, but uh, so, so we do want to probably uh, approach it from another perspective. So do you think there are some positive sides? I mean, it might sound a bit cynical or paradoxical, but do you think there are some positive side? I mean, did you experience some positive uh, side uh, in this, uh, this period? I think, I think, uh, a lot of the aspects were quite positive from my from my perspective. Okay, right? you're probably uh, one of the few. So I mean, together I'm, with me, together with me. <laughs> exactly. I'm one of those people who try to find what you know how some crisis like this could be converted to something which is interesting or which is beneficial to all of us, right? Um, so before I talk about specific things, I mean, in general, I think you you realize that. Um, this crisis uh, brought something really uh, kind of fascinating, but kind of, in this case, a bit depressing about the way the EU works, right? Um, Because we saw that because the healthcare system is so different and disparate, uh, what happened was there was no real collaboration at all. Absolutely. So when things started off in Italy and everybody wash their hands. They say, ah, this is Italy's problem. They didn't take care of this properly, blah, blah, blah. Instead of trying to focus and trying to fix things. And everything, like, uh, because there is no common uh, sort of medical uh, system across Europe, when people came from Italy to Holland, for example, nobody could track them. Absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. So it was funny that um, the borders are open, the trade is open, everything is open, so people can go around, but the healthcare system is closed, pretty much. Okay? So that sort of brought up this, this because otherwise this problem could have been solved um, sort of much more easily than, than if things were more transparent. Also in terms of funds and so on. In terms of treatment protocols, this is what... Protocols, yeah. The, the, the crazy thing is that... Uh, there were not common protocols. I mean, what the the world the the the, the, yeah. the health organization is, is doing. I mean, yeah. what, what actually is doing if there are not common worldwide I protocols mean, about the so system? so World Health Organization cannot dictate what each country does, but they have provided us with guidelines, right? And many many countries, unfortunately, were too late to adopt those guidelines because those guidelines were a bit scary to everybody, right? Because they said social distancing, keep things locked down, 
everybody wear masks. Nobody listened to them until it was too late, right? So these are, and in Europe, mostly the issue was about good collaboration. Nobody collaborated well at all. Absolutely. So, so that was kind of, so in the positive but those side, are Those are the depressive side. Yeah, but at the same time, it also brings up an interesting question, right? So this has put strain on the system so much that people have started to rethink whether this is the right thing. Actually, Absolutely. and that's where sort of the, I start seeing the positive side is now just for this COVID-19, we saw that all the European countries are much more easily or willing to share data now. Okay. So suddenly there was not only like, and if you're talking about very sensitive data, right? Clinical data and so on. Of course, it's a bit uh, tricky, but they managed to do this relatively quickly compared to European times, if you wish uh, to do this. So that was nice. On top of that, we saw how the scientists were all excited uh, to work together on this problem. So there was there, there was no borders at all. And this was not only across Europe, but almost the entire world. So we had discussions from people from the US, Canada, Japan, and so on and so forth. It was very interesting to see. Now that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about, but I mean, you anticipated me because uh, Augustin from Cuba told me that uh, indeed uh, um, over there, everyone is collaborating from any field and they're working together uh, to solve this, uh, this uh, problem. I mean, uh, whatever uh in whatever field they they normally uh, work so i was wondering whether uh whether you experience uh the same being uh working in in the the hospital yeah yeah. i mean so uh, not only in the hospital but also from the startup and so on Mm -hmm. whatever we were doing we just stopped doing that and basically focused on doing COVID 19 projects Okay, and this was done officially in the sense that uh, from the top down, like for example, the University of Amsterdam provided special extensions for PhD students and so on who are working on COVID-19 projects. So I said, okay, if you're working on this project for three months, don't worry about your PhD. It'll be extended for three months, we'll pay for it. Oh, wow. Right, so, and, and people who are not really into medicine and so on just stopped because they have the experience in machine learning, for example, and they collaborated with the rest and made this happen. It's uh, quite fast. So uh, do you think it's, uh, it's, so according to what you explained, it's not necessarily a profit-related uh, kind of- Not at all, uh, not at it's all. It's not driven. I mean, none of the, the um, it's not about the profit, right? It's, uh, we are, like non-commercial entities, all of us, uh, like the university, the hospital, and so on. And what I'm saying is even the commercial people, they didn't see any profit in this, right? like um, getting some of their uh, employees to work on, on this project. It was all about trying to create some uh, new innovations that could be very impactful for the world. So in that sense, I saw... Uh, coming together of very different kinds of people, very different nationalities. Uh, yeah, very different 
like working cultures are becoming really open to solve this problem. That was very nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's something that uh, really surprised me because, uh, yeah, I would have expected more from some, some country like indeed Cuba, but I wasn't expecting uh, the same type of behavior in a kind of more individualistic society like uh, the one we're living in, but uh, uh, mostly not in a kind of this not profitable way. So this uh, opened uh, some hope in general. Uh, also for the future, eh, Rajat? So this might also be a sort of uh, learn, some good learning experience uh, for yeah. the future, for collaborating, for, yeah, for sharing, actually. I mean, I, I just, I mean, the only worry I have is like the short-term memory of the humankind. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So <laughs> in, in this particular, so in both senses, like I'll give you two examples. One is, in this particular case, we saw that openly collaborating accelerates science, even in this world where all the connectivity is there and so on, accelerates science by an order of magnitude. Okay, so somebody makes a code for part A, somebody does it for another reason, somebody integrates this code, and suddenly, within like a few weeks, you have sort of a sophisticated, accomplished uh, framework to tackle some of the most complicated questions. If one team was doing it, or they had to establish like collaborations in the old way, they would have taken months to do this, right? So it just shows that if you're really open, but the problem is, of course, the society now is built in such a way that if you don't have paper, citation, blah, blah, you have problems. In this case, nobody cared about it. It was almost like a utopian world, right? And you just see that uh, mankind gains. Okay? Not a particular group, but the humankind itself benefits. Yeah. But how can you translate that to a norm? That is a challenging question to to answer. The one million uh, question. One million dollar question, exactly. One million dollar. Uh, What, what, what is gonna? Uh, how, how, so now, now we are talking. So normally we had the last uh, couple of show, the one you were uh, mm-hmm. guest uh, live. Yeah. So now we're doing it uh, in two different countries, yeah. uh, very far away from each other. It works pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, whether the audio at the end will be definitely worse than uh, the yeah. one in the radio. But uh, can be this become a norm? actually, uh, in terms of communication, conferences, uh, in the science world, can this become a norm? Also, in terms, so, because I, I guess that this might have a lot of uh, good, positive consequences. Yeah, that's uh, interesting you brought it up because like last week, uh, from, from the University of Amsterdam, we organized an international workshop. There were like 10 speakers for a day. So initially, it was not meant to be an a e-workshop, right? It was supposed to be a proper physical workshop. Okay. Physical now, in the sense uh, that, I mean, the real power press. Everybody come here, right? Okay. But just think about it. It was just a one-day workshop, and there were 10 people who were supposed to give a talk, right? 10 people. And the 10 people pretty much came from, let's say, five or six, I think about six different countries. Then all of them would have 
had to fly in to Amsterdam to give a 30-minute, 45-minute talk, uh, have a few discussions, all this for one day. And then go, just imagine like the carbon footprint of just that one-day yeah. workshop. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay. Yeah. But now here, there's also you know, many aspects to this. We organized the workshop completely online. And it was, it was pretty awesome because uh, all the speakers could just give their talk from their backyard, um, perfectly chill, uh, wherever they were, and uh, no jet lag for them. And give a talk. Uh, at the same time, uh, the the softwares, the kind of Zoom thing that we're using, uh, have been already in this very short time developed to handle kind of a conference workshop kind of environment. Okay, so we had like special uh, poster sessions, uh, breakout rooms. You know, something like, you know, in the form of Slack and uh, uh, other kind of communication frameworks that are out there. They just did that. And and it was pretty awesome. Like, you don't have to stand there and just repeat what your poster is about 100 times. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah you, no, it's you, true. You just nicely record what you want to say. And you can take it many times until you get it perfectly right. And then you put it up in the poster room the virtual poster room. And then people come in there, they look at your poster, they hear you, and if they're interested, they ring a bell. And you're like, okay, these guys are interested. And then you go and talk about the relevant stuff. Okay, so you can get right to the point. If it doesn't ring a bell, you keep being in the terrace. uh, Exactly. uh, Some bathing. (laughs) And whenever you hear a ring, go back, you know. This is, this is quite... Oh, the ring. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I think also the speakers enjoyed it uh, because, um, uh, you know, usually after somebody's talk, you have like, uh, you know how it is in these conferences, right? Yeah. Some, uh, the, the big guy gives a talk and then you have like two or three questions somebody can ask. So here, the person is happily sitting at home or whatever wherever he is and he finishes his talk and then he uh, answers you can raise your hand and stuff virtually right so he answers a few questions and then since he's off what other people can do is to send him like questions and because he's free and he's sitting at home he's happy to sit and answer many more questions yeah. in much more detail yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it's a much more interactive so it's funny in virtually, it becomes much more interactive. And actually, I mean, I, now that I'm uh, thinking about, uh, in principle, you can uh, look at two different uh, workshops at the same time, while you cannot be obviously in two, in two places. Exactly. I mean, if, yeah, like, like some of these big conferences have these many parallel sessions, right? Yeah. And uh, you cannot go to. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. in this no. case, you can just say, okay. Unless like, you're God, but I mean, probably <laughs> not every one of us is. <laughs> just, just a few of us are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rajat, uh, um, yeah. uh, you are uh, Indian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have Indian origin. So as I asked, but you're not in India now, you're in Amsterdam. Yeah. But yeah. as I asked, uh, uh, so I like to cover the old world. I'm in Rome, you're in Amsterdam, uh, right, right. I was in Cuba. So how, how are your relatives in India? 
So how is the situation there? The situation there, like every question in India, is uh, what we call a conditional question, uh, in the sense that, uh, in my if, case, uh, <laughs> if, if you belong to a particular strata of the socioeconomic class, you're fine. If you're in the wrong part of that, you're pretty much screwed. Okay, this is essentially what's happening in India. If you are um, middle class, upper middle class, or higher, you're pretty much fine. If you are the lower middle class or lower than that, then screwed. screwed. Mostly because a large fraction of the, especially the migrant workers, they are all, uh, as you say, uh, ghost workers, right? They are not paid on paper. They are daily wage workers that get money every day. And when this stops, when everything, the economy stops, they don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah, exactly. And they cannot even claim to the government because I mean, oh, they cannot know their, yeah. In fact, yeah, that's also a big issue in Italy, actually. Yeah, yeah in the South, right? Especially. Yeah. 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 Many of them had to walk like 500 kilometers just to get back home. Yeah. Because the whole, the whole country was locked down. It was crazy. I actually, I actually was amazed, probably the most amazing negatively, in the negative sense, I saw during this, this uh, period is this massive uh, amount Migration. of people uh, uh, gathering at the bus station. Yeah. yeah. I don't know exactly what it was that. But yeah, this is pretty uh, symbolic of, of the situation you were describing and uh, yeah. how out of control and yeah, sometimes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's extremely difficult to, because given the size of the country and these kind of problems that I just mentioned, even just educating the people, right? Because yeah. telling them that there's, for them, it's like, what, what are you talking about? You yeah, exactly, doing all this exactly. because of a flu? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, education plays a role. Yeah. Yeah. Rajat, the last question, if you can answer in one minute, then uh, we can leave the place to uh, your beautiful half, Teresa, which is going to tell tell us about uh, her in five minutes if she can, because unfortunately we're a bit late. Yeah. You can already leave uh, if you want to already leave. uh, Because I want to talk about your project, but. uh, yeah, no, but we think, probably well, will have time to talk sure, about that. Absolutely. Just just because Rajat uh, uh, has a project uh, that is uh, leading in the hospital uh, about COVID nineteen, it's a management uh, app. But uh, we we will have time to talk about yeah, that and yeah, also absolutely. to see the result about that. Hi, Teresa. Teresa De Santis was already uh, was also a colleague of uh, mine. We we're colleague when we work at. Uh, uh, Neil, Netherlands Institute for Neuroscience. Now she's doing something else, eh, Teresa? Uh, yes, so... We uh, have, uh, just for you to know, we have uh, uh, five minutes, unfortunately. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I get the challenge. Yes. Um, so I'm currently working in an NGO, uh, which is called Pharma Access. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharma Access stands for Access to Pharma. I okay. uh, was founded by one of the pioneers uh, that challenged the status quo back in the 80s about the distribution of antiretroviral therapy um, in the African population. 
Okay. Uh, from there, we carried on his work and we extended uh, uh, also to other uh, patient population like mother and child care and non-communicable disease. Uh, currently, I take care of the patient engagement and the research related to mother and child care in Kenya and Tanzania. Oh, nice. Bringing back this to our uh, COVID-19 discussion, what we can see so far, uh, nevertheless, the outbreak there started just uh, a bit delayed compared to the other countries is that so there are also uh, so there are some cases there as well yes so if we refer to kenya around 300 uh, in tanzania okay. a bit less uh, not so many though not so many but there we could talk a bit more <laughs> okay then also <laughs> the measurement uh, the measurement bias, but also the distribution uh, of the population across the country okay. uh, and also across areas that are more or less reachable. So since we started there like two weeks ago, three now, uh, I, I think the full-fledged still has to come. Uh, okay. And as uh, con uh, reconnecting to what Rajat was saying, uh, what we see there uh, mainly, uh, allow me to... Uh, Permitted that there has not been a lockdown there because it's not feasible. Collecting 80% um, of the population, uh, it's a lives on daily wages. And so lockdown is not an option, uh, as well as most of the time, social distancing and uh, frequent hand hygiene is a commodity that not everyone access to. Yeah. Uh, and in the special field related to the field of mother and child care, what we see so far is that the mortality, uh, which I have to permit that is one of the highest mortality uh, in sub-Saharan Africa for mother and child care, it seems already to have a slow increase uh, because there is no lockdown, but there is a curfew. Uh, there is this curfew between 7 in the evening and 5 in the morning. No one can move or go anywhere. Uh, so sometimes mothers that are about to deliver uh, don't manage to reach in time the hospital or they don't know they can reach the hospital. Oh. Uh, nevertheless, they go few. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's too late. Uh, so we are trying to put together intervention to help these kind of mothers. And, yeah, to, let so them, to, to let them be aware of the, of the fact that it's more important to, to have information about the, their, their status uh, exactly so be aware that they can go out be aware that they can find a transportation uh, mean uh, but also talking with the facilities making sure that there are ambulances that are not uh, that are available uh, not that uh, for other use and uh, they can reach the mothers that are more complication, but at the same time going to donors to collect funds for which we are able to pay for extra uh, bed nights in case mothers can be admitted at the hospital in early labor sign instead of later on. So these are just a couple of examples of uh, intervention we are trying uh, to test and uh, yeah, implement. It's also, uh, it's also challenging in the product development side because this has to happen really fast. Yeah. And has to be really customer uh, centered, user centered. Uh, yeah, and also has to eat the spot because otherwise you use human lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Wow. Wow. Such a, another different perspective on the COVID-19. Thank you very much, uh, Teresa, very much for what uh, you told us and for what you do. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot and uh, thanks a lot, uh, Rajat. Uh, I hope to I hope uh, to see you soon uh, at your or my place in Maastricht uh, to have a dinner together once again. And uh, so and hopefully to have you both guests uh, next time in my show. We love that. Thank you, guys. Thank Bye. You see you next time. Bye, Rajat. See you. Bye. Bye, Noah. Your little Noah. Bye. He's sleepy. Is he sleeping? He's finally sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks Bye. a lot. Eh? Bye. 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 Okay. Thank you um, to our guest. Uh, so we see each other next, uh, uh, the second Monday of the uh, of the um, of May. So it will be the eleventh, I guess. And thanks uh, to Radio Mediterranean to have us and uh, bye to the next time.